Hi again, everyone. Matt Laughlin, along with John McAlevey. Welcome to this week's podcast. As the calendar turns to August 1st, where indeed did the time go? Johnny, how are things on your end? Doing well, Matt. I, uh, I had to take my show on the road today, as you and I were talking beforehand. We're having a new roof put on the house, and rather than talking in between the banging and scraping, I thought I'd... Uh, give us a little bit better acoustics and headed over to my sister's house. But yeah, August one, boy, I tell you it, uh, summer's flying around July usually lasts pretty long, but once you hit August one, it's like you're getting in the left-hand lane on the garden state parkway and you're going to cruise down the shore. Isn't that the truth? Boy, time does fly. And then suddenly labor day is here. And before you know it, we're back and summer is gone at any rate. So let's talk about what took place yesterday. MLB changed its trade deadline, uh, and they took away that second trade that, you know, that non-waiver deal uh, or whatever it was that would be a couple of weeks after the official trade deadline. So there were actually two, but baseball this year said, now nah, let's just make it once. It was yesterday, done four o'clock. Everybody put down your pens and pencils and hand in your assignments. And the Yankees did nothing from a Boston Red Sox fans standpoint what do you think? You know something, Matt? I think you're overlooking the Yankees made that huge trade for Alfredo Garcia from the Colorado Rockies. And uh, But yeah, to, to your point, it was very surprising that with a tremendous need for a starting pitcher that Brian Cashman said he felt that the asking prices were just way too steep. He was not going to mortgage tomorrow for a pitcher that that really wasn't what they thought. I know there was a lot of talk uh, that the Yankees were were in on Robbie Ray from uh, the Diamondbacks, who's having a really good year. But when the asking price starts with Clint Frazier and Clark Schmidt, who was their number one pick two years ago, he shut the door on that. So he's going to stand pat right now. And He's going to take his chances with a so-so starting staff and a lineup that mashes. But you know what happens in the playoffs. Good pitching will oftentimes shut down good hitting. So we'll see if his strategy ultimately pays off. As anyone who has listened to this podcast or followed us on uh, the Daily Brief, which we provide, everybody knows I am not a Yankees fan. In fact, I would probably cross the line more toward Yankees hater. But here's the thing. So so understand that. But this next comment is not coming from that position. I'm trying to be objective here. The Yankees proclaim that they're in it to win it every year. And they have a team that, as you said, mashes the ball. They are comfortably in front in the American League East. But how are they going to win a championship when, as you said, Pitching in the postseason is still relevant for all the analytics, for all the talk about how baseball has changed in a short series, particularly, although I don't think they're in danger of falling there, particularly in a wild card play in game. Pitching, starting pitching is enormously important and the Yankees just don't have it. Now, who knows? A couple of their injured guys may come back and they'll get a boost. We'll see. But the fact of the matter is. I can't believe they didn't get somebody. And if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm not happy. Having won a championship yeah. since 2009, 
Yeah, the team is very competitive. Yes, I can go out and see them hit home runs and their star after star. And LeMayu's been a great story. Aaron Judge has scuffled, but he's still an imposing figure. And Glaber Torres and you go on and on and on. And Sanchez, although he's hurt now, I get it. It's about winning. And the Yankees have changed their philosophy. By the way, your point uh, made that uh, uh, Brian Cashman said uh, there was no deal to be made. We didn't either like what was being offered or too much was asked. Every general manager has said a similar thing today or yesterday when they addressed the media. Just like every manager said, no, we love the guys we have here. No, this is our team. We're glad we made no changes. We're ready to go to war. They lied publicly because, of course, you have to. What's a manager going to say? No, I wish we had added starting pitching. I don't think that's really good for job security in the Yankee dugout. And Brian Cashman's not going to say I I spit the bit because I was afraid to pay the price. But the Yankees clearly, the Red Sox, too, have clearly decided, although the Red Sox have championships to show recently, including last year when they had a brilliant year. But the Yankees somehow something has changed over the years. The bluster and the persona of the Yankees has become more corporate and they say the right things, but they don't back it up with action all the time. At least they haven't in a long while. They still spend a lot of money. There's no question about that. Uh, They are deep. They've been able to withstand a ton of injuries. Uh, The pickup of LeMayu was just brilliant, whether they saw it actually coming or they're pleasantly surprised. Who knows? So tons of credit to Brian Cashman. But something has changed where now they are more conservative. And you can't tell me it's about the luxury tax and everything else. I get on the Mets ownership for pocketing money. The Steinbrenner family is doing a lot of the same thing. Though they're spending more and their product is better, they are more interested in the bottom line. And if I'm a Yankee fan, I am not happy. Yeah, yeah. It it comes, it starts, you know, with the starting pitching and, you know, all kidding aside, but who starts game one for the Yankees? I mean, the guy with the best numbers is Domingo Herman, but he's not going to be their game one starter. It will probably be Masahiro Tanaka. And he really has not been good recently. I mean, that series that they just had up in Boston where they were getting pilloried by a, uh, a Boston lineup, which is really good in its own right. You know, they're going to see a team like Minnesota. That series the Yankees had in Minnesota was like a pinball game. It was a fantasy football game. All the runs that they were, both teams were scoring. You know, in, in the playoffs, it's going to be a shorter shorter uh, rope that you'll have there. And then also with what the Houston Astros were able to do, they were the, they were the one winner of the, of the trade deadline, bringing Zach Greinke to to uh, to front a starting staff. I mean, one, two, and three with Garrett Cole, jo- uh, Justin Verlander, and now Zach Greinke. That's going to be hard to uh, to match with James Paxton and Masahiro Tanaka and uh, Domingo Herman, perhaps J.A. Happ, uh, C.C. Sabathia will be in the mix. He's on the DL for the uh, the injured list right now. But it's very odd that this is what they're going to go to war with. But it is what it is. And again. I think they're going to try and mash their way to a championship this year. And they could very well do it. But I think uh, Houston provides a huge roadblock to them, as you mentioned. And I just think here's the other thing. And I was around baseball for a decade and, and was in those clubhouses virtually every day. I've been around hockey a long time in the dressing rooms every day. The players say the right thing, but they look around and they go, 
we're not as good as the other guy. Now, that doesn't mean they don't go out and try, but particularly a team that's got that drive for a championship. Right now, in that Yankees clubhouse, they have to look around and say, Brian Cashman, are you are you kidding me? You didn't improve yes. us? Now, yes. they'll again, they'll say all the right things publicly, and they are still a very good team. But they they take a dip emotionally because they just said, they say to themselves, management is not all in. They want us to be all in as a player, and we are, but they are not all in and did not help the cause. So yeah. uh, if I'm a Yankee fan, I am not happy at all. Now, the final test and the final judge will be in a few months. We'll see where it all plays out. But no, I would not be happy uh, if let I'm me, the Yankees. Let me ask Yankee you this fan. question. As uh, as a Mets fan, and um, do you think that Brian Cashman was stunned when Brody Van Wagenen pulled Marcus Stroman out of a hat. I mean, that had to be stunning because nobody saw that on the horizon. The Mets are, you know, not really in contention. They're kind of there. They're, you know, on the periphery. And the fact that they would go out and get probably the best or one of the top starting pitchers on the market and to maybe not give up as much as people were asking Brian Cashman to give up for the same player. That had to be a stunner, don't you think? I would think absolutely it caught him by surprise. Not sure. We may never know how deep he was in talks with Toronto, what the parameters of the deal were. He had to have made the phone call, made several phone calls over the course of the season. Uh, You always do just to stay in contact. And he had to think, that yes, this guy's going to be moved, and yes, we have a chance to get him. And it's not like the Mets gave up their top prospects. They gave up okay prospects. And by the way, unless you are a sure thing, and I mean a sure, sure thing, Baseball America can take its prospect list, its clickbait, and toss it out the window. Because how many times has a prospect gone to another team And you can say, wow, we got fleeced. Now, Chicago made the deal with the Yankees uh, and they had to give up Glaber Torres, but they won a world championship. Yes. You know, Uh, and so, okay, there's an example that's counter to my argument. But I think a lot of this prospect talk is just that it's it's such a hard sport to project, project who's going to make it and who's not. Anyway, that being said, the Mets list was not as promising as what the Yankees could have given up if they were truly interested in getting Marcus Stroman. So yes, I think it probably caught him by surprise. I'm curious if Toronto, because they pulled that deal on Sunday, they didn't wait toward the deadline. They probably could have squeezed a little something out of a team that really wanted Stroman in their rotation, but they elected to make the deal early. I'm wondering if Toronto just said, you know what? We are not trading him in our division. And and that's kind of stupid too, because if you get a better prospect package, uh, you know, that's, that's your job to improve your team. I, you know, the, the devils and the Rangers didn't make deals under Lou Lamorello devils won championships. You can't argue with it, but Ray Shiro has made, deals with the Rangers. And he said, yeah, I'll make them if it improves our team. So sometimes, sure. sometimes you have to say rivalry be damned or division yep. opponent be damned. On the other hand, yep. I do understand why there's, why there's times when you want to send a guy as far away as possible to limit the damage. But uh, yeah, I, I would think that Cashman was caught by surprise there. You, yeah, And you know, that said, Matt, I read that uh, Cashman this morning in all the papers said that he made phone calls to every team in baseball 
except the Boston Red Sox. He said he actually had numerous conversations with Brody Van Wagenen. You would have to think for uh, for Zach Wheeler as a rental. Uh, supposedly, they took Noah Syndergaard off the uh, the trading block. And let's let's sort of turn our attention towards the Mets now with a starting staff headed by the reigning Cy Young Award winner, um, um, J- uh, Jacob deGrom. Then you have Noah Syndergaard. Now you have Marcus Stroman and Zach Wheeler. Do the Mets have the staff now to make that run at a second wild card position? Well, they certainly hope so. And it's possible. I mean, they still have teams to climb over. The schedule's easy for a little bit here. Uh, you know, they, they, they've got Pittsburgh, uh, they have got, uh, oh, who's that? Uh, Miami afterward, you know, and then it's Washington, Atlanta's on the horizon, I think two series in August. So we'll see if the good times can last. Yes, they have a chance. Uh, I, and I, I think that they, they're doing nothing while it was relatively nothing. Getting Strom was fine, but they got rid of Vargas. So it was kind of like, okay, we've, we think we've improved ourselves in one spot, that being said, I, I, I thought they had something else in mind, perhaps. And I think they were going to, as the Mets have often done, try to outsmart themselves. And yeah. instead, instead, nothing happened. And the message to the team was, hey, we think you're pretty good. And it's funny, it's the opposite message than the Yankees received. Now, that one pitcher being added to the team doesn't necessarily make a big world of difference in terms of the emotion in the clubhouse. But... Cashman has a team that scuffled, though they won yesterday. Uh, although their record's only about five hundred in that scuffling for all for all the runs their staff has given up. That being said, yes. they're on a little bit of a downward trend. Van Wagen and said to a team that's been winning, "Hey, we think you guys have finally found your stride, and we supported you with a better pitcher. The rest of the guys are pretty damn good. Let's go get them." So I, I think the emotion is different, even though it's just a one-player difference in terms of addition or subtraction to the roster. So I, I kind of applaud the Mets. They didn't try to out-trick themselves. They didn't try to show that they're the smartest kids in the block and and pull some weird kind of deal. They either had no intention of trading some of those other guys or all along, uh, you know, they just didn't get anything back that they felt was worth it. So let's go, man. I mean, yeah. all, their arms are you pretty know- good. You know what I think, Matt? I was with you um, along the lines of thinking that the Stroman deal was terrific. It came out of nowhere, but that, you know, something else was coming. There was a plan B. And I think I go back to an old statement. What a a difference a year makes. I really and truly think that they were going to try and move Edwin Diaz and that he has been so bad this year that they weren't getting what they thought that they should get for a 24 year old man who throws a hundred miles an hour and was absolutely lights out last year and the year before he has been abysmal this year Terrible. and for whatever they're trying to do, they have not been able to figure it out. They have not been able to fix what his problems are. And, and the fact that teams were not going to get you, they were going to get 50 cents on a dollar for him. And I think, that they say, you know what, we can't do this. But I, I really do think that he was the, the next shoe to drop. I don't think it was Syndergaard. I think it was Diaz. And they did not find the offers coming back to their liking, and they held on to him. And, and by the way, what, what team would offer prime real estate 
for Edwin Diaz based on what he did this year. I mean, you could argue uh, perhaps and convince yourself if you're another GM that, well, uh, moving to the big city, moving American League to National League, playing on a, uh, well, not much worse team. Seattle's not exactly world beaters. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, all those things, you could argue that, hey, uh, he'll come here and and he'll be better. But that would be going out on a limb. So I- I'm not sure there was going to be much out there anyway. I do think the Mets are frustrated by what Diaz has done and his lack of performance because now it puts the spotlight on Robinson Cano, the other part of that package, and he has been awful. So here's the problem with the Mets, though. Yes, their starting pitching is good. Not really, not sure at all about their closer. They don't play good defense. So they've hit this hot streak. They've done it against poor opposition. So that's not their fault. You can only play the team that's on your schedule that day. But as the schedule gets a little more difficult, if they hit a bump in the road, let's just suppose uh, they drop the first game of the series against Pittsburgh, a terrible team. But let's suppose they do it. How do they bounce back? Do they come back and win five in a row? Do they win four out of the next five? Can they sustain what they've done since the All-Star break? I argue that every team, good, bad, and different, has a streak like this, both good and bad. Uh, The good streaks for the bad teams are not sustainable on a regular basis that's why they're bad teams. And yeah. I, I think there's a little uh, little false hope here with the Mets. But it's better than no hope at all. And as long as parity is here to stay in baseball, you know, why can't they get past Arizona? Why can't they climb past, you know, Milwaukee? Why, why can't they make a move? I just don't know that they can get past the Chicago and Washington and whoever else in the Central Division, uh, which is so tightly bunched will find itself either in first place or a wild card spot. That's my thing. I think there's enough of a talent gap there. They cannot make that up. But there could be some excitement, at least interest, in City Field come end of this month and early. Absolutely. Now. Listen, I, I, as someone who's not necessarily turning on Mets games, I'm going to start to watch. I mean, I, I, I like the the edge and the chip on the shoulder uh, persona that Marcus Stroman has. I mean, he's a guy that'll strike you out and stare you down on the way to the dugout. It's not my favorite thing, but Hey, listen, it, it makes for, for good television. And to put him in a locker room where Syndergaard just wiped out 11 guys, struck out 11 guys the other night, this pitching could get hot. And as we talked about at the top, good pitching beats, good hitting. The Yankees don't have good starting pitching. The Mets do. I'd go to war with that staff and and the games coming up, as you said, with Atlanta uh, should really be interesting with Washington. They're going to be fun games to watch. So um, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, they should be. And hopefully they will be. The only concern is who are we going to see? Are we going to see the current Steven Matz or the earlier Steven Matz? Has Cindergaard, has Wheeler returned to form? Have they found what we thought they had? Uh, we know what DeGrom's got. We assume we know what Stroman will bring because Vargas actually had pitched pretty well after a, a bad start. But OK, so Stroman is better. But are those other guys going to continue to show form or are they going to regress a little bit? And the problem is when you're climbing, 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 it's exhausting, first off. Yes. And then you've got all these teams to climb over. And if you hit even the tiniest little slump, you know, you lose three in a row, you lose three out of five. All of a sudden, you either lose ground or you gain none, but now time is ticking. It's later in the season. You've got under 60 games to play, 
and it just becomes harder and harder unless you sustain this for a long period of time. So that'll be the challenge for the Mets. But at least it's better. At least it's better than uh, saying, you know, we got a plan. We're just going to implement it next year. We've had a plan now for a while, but we keep putting it off. So, uh, you know, let's see what happens. Yes, absolutely. And and you mentioned the Red Sox before. They did nothing. Their bullpen is on fumes. And, and what was supposed to be their strength, their starting pitching has really hit the skids recently. Chris Sale got all that money and has been abysmal this year. He had a chance. The Red Sox had a chance to sweep a four-game set from the Yankees last weekend. And Sale was on the mound in game four, and he spit the bit. Rick Porcello has been awful this year. And isn't that so- his, isn't that his MO though? Like last year he was great. He just he's so inconsistent. Yeah. How did this guy win a Cy Young Award a couple of years ago? I have no idea because he's batting practice this season. He took his frustration out on a couple of flat screen TVs in the Red Sox dugout last night. David Price for all of his bravado and his wanting to keep this verbal war with Dennis Eckersley going has been terrible, as you like to say, his last three or four starts. And so, you know, what was a strength for them has not been. They're a team now that's going to have to have their lineup get hot and, and mash some runs. Um, the bullpen is not great. They let Craig Kimbrell walk, and uh, their bullpen by committee started out pretty good, has been really bad since. Nathan Ivaldi was hurt, had some surgery, and is now their closer. And since he's been back, he has been batting practice as well. So listen, Dave Dombrowski said, we know what we have in that dugout. It's time for them to perform like they did. This team won a World Series last year. So uh, his, his way of saying we didn't bring anything in is saying we have enough in there that won last year. And if they start playing up to their ability, then uh, then we should make the playoffs again this season. We will see. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they should make a wild card spot. They've got one more today against Tampa. And then they got a four-game set against the Yankees. It's funny, after winning the first three games against the Bombers last week, there was a lot of talk, hey, you forgot about the Sox, but they're back. And now they've lost three in a row, the last two to Tampa Bay. And, you know, again, goes back to what I was saying about the Mets, though the Red Sox are a better team. You get a little roll, it's good, but then you hit a little slump and everyone goes, ah, we're just not going to be able to do it this year. But here's the thing about Dombrowski is we come full circle, sort of. They won a championship last year. And it's essentially the same team. Now, yeah, Kimbrell's not there, but it's essentially the same team. A lot of the same pieces. They just haven't performed this year. Not that it's acceptable, but players are human, so it happens. You know, you're not a machine. So Dombrowski, I can understand, although John Henry, I was reading something this morning. I didn't see it when it happened, but I guess back when they were playing in London against the Yankees, he made some reference that they they probably weren't going to be too busy acquiring players because we don't want to lose more money. We're losing money. We lost money last year. Oh, come on. Accounting. Accounting 101. Hide assets in this group. Make another company. Let them get all of the revenue from TV. uh, But the team itself will lose money. John Henry, come on. We're we're better than that. We're more alert to to the shenanigans. Not shenanigans. It's just the law. It's just the way you can uh, show your books. Just have seven or eight different companies one loses money, the rest make money. The Red Sox are not losing money at any rate. They're printing money. Oh, no, come They're on. Printing. Come on. Come on. Nesson, yeah. baseball's national contract, Fenway Park, you can't get a ticket. No. That being said, they won last year. So you can say, Dombrowski can, Dombrowski can say, hey, look, I'm not going to trade some guys that I think can help us next year or the year after 
to sustain our success to continue to fill the coffers just to chase what at this point might be a bit of a long shot. There's not enough out there to inject the juice. I've watched this team for 105, 107, whatever it is, games. It's just not going to happen. That happens in sports. And so while he may not publicly address it that way, that's his feeling. So there's a little bit more of a pass I give Dombrowski, but not Brian Cashman. Yeah, Hal Steinbrenner, I don't know what's going on, uh, but you know, you ain't your dad yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're bringing in more money. You're the, uh, what the second, according to Forbes magazine, the second um, highest valued team in, in I saw that. sports yeah. behind the Dallas Cowboys, at least. Yes. That, so come on, come on. There, there yeah. was money there. Uh, if you needed to take it on, there was uh, an opportunity to win now. And if you had to give up a guy like Clint Frazier, oh, by the way, Clint Frazier, he's so good, you don't have him on your team. Right. It's true. So, and, come on. And to juxtapose, juxtapose that, the general manager of the Houston Astros, Jeff Luno, he spins his guys off. You know, he, 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 he didn't think twice about spinning off their top prospects for Justin Verlander a few years ago. And, and how did that did work same, out? Yeah. And he did the same thing yesterday. He, he wants to win. He, he burned some really good assets for Zach Greinke. Again, assets that are in the minor leagues who have done Zippo Dudo in the major leagues. And we don't know whether they ever will, but he's going for it. How about that top three coming in on the playoffs? How would you like to be a batter, uh, a right-handed batter facing those three power right-handed pitchers. I mean, come on, there's stats together. Uh, I was looking at this today. How about this? They are a combined, where do I have it here somewhere? They were combined 36 and 13. Okay. With a 2.85 earn run average, 11 strikeouts per game and an opposing batting average of 197 against those three pitchers combined. Hello. Yeah, no, that speaks volumes. Here's the other thing we have to keep in mind though. Wasn't that long ago that Houston bottomed out dramatically? Worst team in baseball for a number of years. They were able to fill their prospect pipeline because of that. And I I think there's institutional memory there that says, boy, that was really bad. But also, they are among the most analytically, and baseball, it's hard to separate, I guess, but among the most analytically driven teams. And they probably recognize you only have so many kicks at the can, that there's a yes. cycle here. So. We won recently. Let's try it again, because eventually Verlander's arm falls off. Eventually, you're not going to pay some of the money that you're going to need to pay to your stars. And then you don't draft in the same position and you wind up not having players coming up in the rear guard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I give him credit. He said, like, we got a shot. And that's why Brian Cashman should have done something. If I'm a Yankee fan, I am not happy. It's been since 2009. And it's time if you're a Yankee fan in their, your mind, to win another championship. And Cashman didn't do anything to improve your chances. And that's yes. why for him, I think yesterday was a failure. As great as he is, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. No arguing his resume. Failure yes. yesterday. Failure. Especially when the Red Sox are winning championships. Exactly. exactly. You know, you're watching the, the duck boats. That's got to gall Yankee fans to no end. And the fact that they have the assets and the money to go out and and squash that while they're improving their team. Very surprising that uh, that he didn't uh, swing big yesterday. But then again, is swinging big, you know, Robbie Ray 
Is he going to get you over the end? I mean, Madison Bumgarner is, you know, not what he was years ago, but um, that name, that cachet and what he brings into a locker room, that would have been a big, uh, a big thing to bring in and they didn't go for it. Right. And I don't think Granky was the answer. He's got, you know, he's, he's an introvert and he would not, I don't think fare very well in New York, but yeah, if, if they were interested they saw him yesterday in person. It wouldn't have been difficult for him to walk uh, to the other side of the stadium and, and join the Yankees. But I don't think he would have agreed to go. And it, I don't think yeah. it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a good. It, yeah, it wouldn't have been a good move. He he mm-hmm. he would not do well in the spotlight. And he's no. admitted as such. I mean, he's not that, that's just not who he is. So that would not be a good move. But at any rate, mm-hmm. it was a good move for Houston. They certainly fortified themselves. Johnny, that'll do it, brother. Excellent. We got a lot in there. We squeezed it in a nice podcast, some baseball trade deadline stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then next week, we'll turn our attention a little bit to football, maybe as we'll get some games under our belt and maybe a little better idea about the locals and and what the future holds for them. At any rate, that'll do it for this week's show. For John McAleve, I'm Matt Lachlan. So long, everyone. (laughs) 